1: And I look up and in the doorway is a guy standing there with an assault rifle.
2: A chilling first-hand account of the holdup and deadly shootout at a Saanich Bank. The heroism of the
3: officers. They ran towards live and active gunfire. And the condition of the most seriously injured. Litton, one year later. They won.
4: New technology and new capability that will help people
5: survive here. How First Nations are fighting to build back better.
6: And who's next for the NDP? I'll obviously be having conversations with my
2: family. The front runners in the race to replace John Horgan.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at six.
5: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We are learning more tonight about an armed bank robbery in Saanich where two suspects engaged in a fierce gun battle with police.
2: Those two suspects were killed and six officers are recovering from gunshot wounds. Two will face months of recovery. Kylie Stanton is following the story closely for us and spoke to a woman, Kylie, who was in the bank as a hostage at the time and her story is quite dramatic.
7: Yeah, that's right, Chris. It's hard to imagine what it must have been like, those moments inside the bank on Tuesday morning, but a day later, Shelley Fryer tells us she has nothing but gratitude for the officers who she says helped her get out alive.
1: Sat down, and um, two, two minutes later, there was an incredible explosion. Just four minutes after her scheduled appointment, Shelley Fryer quietly
7: and desperately reaches for her phone, placing a call no one ever
1: wants to make. There was 22 people being held hostage in the bank by three men in gear and assault rifles.
7: Fryer says she was one of 22 people held hostage inside this BMO on Shelburne Street Tuesday morning. She was just sitting down with the bank manager when she says two men walked in.
1: And I look up and in the doorway is a guy standing there with an assault rifle, balaclava, vest, some guards on his legs just standing there quietly standing there calm didn't say really anything at all the manager held the key out and they said vault
7: it would be another 10 to 15 minutes of just quiet hostages huddled together tellers taking cover some employees hiding in
1: closets out of sheer desperation <sighs> you know frightened to death there's a poor woman who works there who's pregnant But then, the silence breaks.
7: This vehicle started moving southbound along Shelbourne Street. As it comes to a stop just outside the bank, the gunfire starts. A group of officers come running into the fire, exchanging shots. Two suspects died on scene. Six officers with the Greater Victoria Emergency Response Team suffered gunshot wounds, in some cases, serious.
3: Three officers have been released from hospital after receiving medical care and are now recovering at home with their families. Three officers sustained what were considered life-threatening injuries at the time of the incident. These officers remain in hospital following extensive surgeries.
7: While a shelter-in-place order was lifted for the area Tuesday evening, the scene was held overnight as the bomb squad worked on potential explosive devices inside the suspect's
3: vehicle. Early this afternoon, the explosive devices were transported to Heartland Landfill Facility by EDU and safely destroyed. But the area
7: remains cordoned off to the public, with the coroner on scene and the Independent Investigations Office now taking over, while the communities rally around their departments.
8: And without hesitation, they put their safety and lives on the line with their training and culture, so that our residents weren't harmed. So later on today at 9 o'clock, Mayor helps.
7: There's likely no one more grateful than those who managed to get out alive. Fryer, who is still processing what happened, is
1: just letting the emotions take over. My tears are for the bravery that they're going to get up and do it again today. They ran to the gunfire. People run away from gunfire. <laughs>
7: Now, many of the officers are still very hard at work. As you can see behind me, it is still a very active police scene. But the closure affecting a lot of businesses in the area. Police did say today they will be shrinking the perimeter in phases as deemed appropriate. Chris?
2: All right, thanks very much, Kylie. Kylie Stanton in Sandwich for us tonight.
5: Now, as we mentioned, six officers were shot and rushed to hospital. Two of them are in serious condition. Paul Johnson joins us now with more on how those officers are doing now. And what's being said about the suspects so far? Paul?
4: Sophie, so of the six officers who were shot three of them are still in hospital tonight and one of them is in ICU and we're told that he's going to have a long road to recovery many months and very likely going to have more surgeries. Saanich Police all who were shot were men and all were members of the emergency response team, the SWAT team, some of whom as you've heard actually ran toward life-threatening gunfire to do their jobs. And this outcome where no civilians were killed or injured is being described as miraculous.
3: I, I have absolute deep gratitude and appreciation for the work that they did. That is a highly volatile and highly risk, risky scene, risky situation. And their expertise uh, was carried through with professionalism and distinction.
5: All right, Paul, uh, Kylie had mentioned in her story the community is rallying for the officers. You're at the Saanich Police Department this evening. What's going on there?
4: Well, we've seen some of that support here just in the past couple of hours that we've been hanging out here. This is where they had the news briefing today. And people have been showing up and dropping off flowers and plants. And there is a small collection of them just behind us here right outside the front doors to the police station It's worth noting that a really remarkable part of this story is that if you look at this in the context of the tragedy of gun violence in North America over the past 20 years or so, this was a situation where they were able to get this SWAT team with the training that was necessary and the skills and the tools they have where they were needed at the right time, very likely saving lives.
2: Sophie.
5: Incredible. Thank you for that. Paul Johnson reporting in Saanich.
2: You bet. Residents of the town of Lytton are about to mark the anniversary of the day their community disappeared one year ago tomorrow A wildfire swept through killing two people and destroying 90 percent of the town As Amadagahi reports the nearby First Nation was also leveled and is also facing a long rebuild
9: I'm standing on Main Street in the Lytton First Nation. Where uh, we are right now uh, is described to me uh, as the hub of the community. One year ago today, this area would have been vibrant. Uh, Up to 12 properties along this stretch of what's called IR-18 were completely destroyed by the fire uh, last year on June 30th. Uh, And that fire has had devastating impacts on the community and also its people still to this day.
4: Never thought in my lifetime I'd see that this whole area would be wiped out by a wildfire.
9: It was a destructive display of power. Heat and fire combining with ferocious wind, says John Hogan. For him, it's still hard to describe what's happened. There was just so much devastation. He says no one could have imagined their lives would be changed in this way, much like the village below. The fire burned everything that belonged to some here in Linton First Nation while displacing everyone, many of whom have forever lived here like generations before them and now want more than anything to come back. One of the things we keep in mind is, you know, there's, there's people that are still hurting today and, and that will continue for a long time. And uh, the, the best thing that we can do is just continue pushing forward for them. All of more than a, a dozen properties on this street have been cleared of debris but there is still nothing indicating a, a rebuild here uh, right at this moment. Uh, the community of uh, Linton First Nation has been able to offer 39 of its members temporary housing units to be able to come back but there are many more which won't have that option for the foreseeable future. Emadagahi, Global News.
5: Well, starting today, Save Old Growth protesters say they will not be blocking highway traffic any longer. Instead, they will focus on other tactics. For more on this, let's bring in our Keith Baldry. Keith, it's obviously good news for the drivers who've been dealing with the Mm -hmm. headaches those blockades caused for uh, weeks and even months now. But what do we know of what the new strategy might be?
10: Sounds like they're going to go back to old-fashioned protest rallies, Sophie. Clearly, they realized their tactics were not working. Very unpopular, not only with motorists and commuters, but also first, reporters, uh, first responders not able to get through. People not able to get to ca- uh, cancer appointments, for example, medical treatments. And there have been some confrontations. And I think also the fact that one person on a ladder uh, fell down as a result of a confrontation and uh, broke their pelvis. And also, again, you see complaints from the public... Uh, widespread and no evidence these were working at all in terms of putting pressure on the government so are standing down mm-hmm. and de-escalating we're not going to see this continue
5: and more pushback on uh, some protest tactics keith we uh, have heard that three first nations on vancouver island have ordered mm-hmm. logging protesters there to dismantle their camp in the Ferry creek area that happened last week
10: Yes, yeah, so again, this is originally in this dispute. The First Nations said, Look, uh, we want to continue our economic activity, please get off our land. They released a video last week of First Nations leaders, uh, again, calling on these protesters to get off their land.
4: That means we have a right as First Nations people of this traditional territory to decide what happens within it. We're not going to clear cut everything, and the last tree will not be taken. We have our own plans and you're disrespecting them. We have a treaty in. Yeah.
10: So after originally saying, well, we're talking to elders ourselves, the protesters today began dismantling that protest mm-hmm. camp. Again, First Nations making it very clear that they will determine the economic activity or lack of economic t- activity on their lands and environmental protesters won't. So this has implications for other protests we've seen around the province. First Nations now beginning to assert their rights when it comes to determining what happens with lands they consider to be their unscathed. Ceded territory. So, what happened in Ferry Creek again uh, and what's happened with these protesters standing down marks a, a signal change here in terms of tactics and strategy. And First Nations now asserting their rights to these lands, and they'll determine what happens there and not the environmental protest movement.
5: Interesting turn of events, Keith. Thank you.
2: Right. Well, since yesterday, there's been a lot of speculation about who might replace Premier John Horgan now that we know he's stepping down. Horgan will remain premier until a new leader is elected this fall. And as Richard Zussman reports, there are many names being considered.
10: Thanks everybody for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it.
11: A shock to the system.
12: The focus for me and my colleagues is to just uh, to reflect on, on his leadership.
11: A day after the surprise news, John Horgan will be stepping aside as BC premier in the fall. Members of his cabinet back to work taking questions as part of what could be a long, drawn-out job interview, with NDP members making the final hire.
6: I remain focused on delivering for British Columbians. Uh, I'll obviously be having conversations with my family, with my friends and my colleagues, with the party and with British Columbians about how we move forward together.
11: Still, few details from the party on how and exactly when NDP members will choose a new premier. Attorney General David Eby, a clear frontrunner this time around, turning down the opportunity to run back in 2014 when Horgan won. Another minister with experience through the leadership ringer, Nathan Cullen, running once at the federal level for the NDP, finishing third in 2012.
4: I would probably just repeat the advice that the late Jack Layton gave me at one point in my career, which is to, to whenever somebody asks uh, if you're running uh, for office or for leadership or anything, say, say thank you, first of all, because it's a compliment. Um, and uh, never say never
11: the race to end up in this office will no doubt have an impact on governing any leadership candidate will be expected to step down from cabinet and those jobs will have to be restaffed.
8: Departments can run in a, a kind of steady state for a while uh, without much worry, but uh, they're not going to be doing new things. And so, if if somebody's looking to solve a new problem, that can be challenging.
11: The NDP could also be facing a new problem in the form of a new Liberal leader as the party works through finding a new premier. Kevin Falcon will be waiting.
4: It doesn't change my strategy at all, to be honest with you. Just in the sense that you know, look, I, I'm talking to the public about saying that we're just going to be very laser-focused on affordability issues.
11: Issues expected to be the key to the scheduled 2024 provincial election, no matter who the premier is. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
5: The timeline to get rid of the barge on the beach. And don't worry, you'll still have plenty of time to take a selfie when the stranded vessel will finally be gone coming up.
11: There's a big
13: healing that has to happen, and the Earth is in a place of purification right now.
2: An exclusive look at a powerful and haunting new documentary, what producers hope it accomplishes on the path to reconciliation. Later.
5: Also tonight, what an honour for our friend and former anchor Deb Hope, appointed to the Order of Canada. Squire's Tribute, coming up later.
12: One
2: of the best. Right now, though, for some, it's an eyesore. For others, it's a welcome conversation piece. Love it or hate it, the stranded barge can't stay there forever.
5: And we now have some details about the plan to dismantle it. Grace Key shows us how it'll affect
14: the use of Stanley Park. Its days at Sunset Beach may finally be numbered. This week, work will begin to remove the barge. But after seven months on the shores, some locals are a little skeptical.
12: They've said so many things. They've tried to take it out three or four times. I've been here when they've had the tugboats trying to take it out. And nothing has happened. It's actually gotten closer to shore. I
7: think everybody will believe it when they see it. I think we've heard already a bunch of times that, you know, they're even they have signs up, active salvage operation that's been up for, you know, since it landed here.
14: This week, safety barriers will be going up, followed by site preparation, and then temporary piles will be installed to secure the barge. Vancouver Pile Driving will be in charge of deconstruction. The barge walls and halls will be removed in sections. A windstorm back in November left the barge stranded at Sunset Beach. Initial efforts to remove it were unsuccessful, and engineers determined that refloating the barge wasn't possible. For
8: the up-road.
14: It's been a popular fixture in Vancouver. It's inspired memes, songs, and... <laughs> even this visual effect showing another way to remove the barge. And although some say it may have been a good laugh in the beginning, it's time to go. I'd be glad to see it gone. I don't think it's a... I think it's just an eyesore now.
3: It has been kind of a fun meme for the, the city. Um people a lot of people have sort of rallied around it but i think ultimately it should it should go away <laughs> The fun has been had, I
6: think. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yes. Hard anti-barger. <laughs> Thank you.
14: Sections will be loaded onto support barges and hauled away by sea to be recycled. Deconstruction will take 12 to 15 weeks. The seawall will stay open during this time, and there will be no impact to parking or traffic. The barge owner, Century Marine Towing, is responsible for all costs. Grace Key, Global News. A
2: hard anti-barger. <laughs> see those every day. Also uh, coming up, noisy neighbors. Just really being patient and headphones really goes a long way. What are your rights if the people you share walls with are too loud? Consumer Matters investigates.
5: And good good girl, (laughs) the amazing story of an abandoned dog who led SPCA to her new litter.
0: Still dealing with a bit of leftover volume here for eastbound traffic on Highway 1 through the Burnaby Lake stretch with congestion at merge points like Willingdon and Kensington. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
3: The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Camp Breakways, BC owned and operated for 75 years.
2: We got a powerful reminder about the importance of securing windows around young children today.
5: A child was taken to hospital this afternoon after falling from a third floor window in Surrey. It happened Around 1 p.m. near 70th Avenue and 180th Street in the North Cloverdale area. Surrey RCMP say the three-year-old was taken to hospital with unknown injuries.
2: Months after a massive flood tore through the region, an Okanagan family is trying to salvage what they can before their property gets torn down. Gordon Daw and his wife have owned Riverside Cabins in Princeton for almost 17 years, but the November flood left their property in ruins and with about $1.7 million in damage. The couple says the town is forcing him to tear down more than half of the cabins, which he says could cost them upwards of $70,000 per cabin.
4: That's a tough one because, you know, you've never really been through something like that. That You go to bed one night, you get up, and the next day everything you had is gone. I don't know what my rights are here. It sounds like the town is going to make me destroy most of it.
2: And I guess that's at my expense. The mayor of Princeton says the cabins were up to code before the flood, but that is no longer the case.
5: Well, noise from neighbors is just a normal part of condo life, but things can turn ugly quickly.
2: If it does become a real nuisance, what support should you expect from your strata? Consumer Matters reporter Andrew has been looking into this topic.
13: Thanks, Chris. As one legal expert told me, noise is in the ear of the beholder, which means finding a resolution to a noisy neighbor isn't easy. Nowadays, it seems many of us are living closer together, but living in tight quarters isn't always easy, especially when it comes to noise. I mean,
10: you know, there's always a noisy neighbor or someone that installs hardwood and has kids or drops some marbles in the ground.
13: Yes, I hear my neighbors, but um, a good pair of headphones is kind of the way to go.
3: Some of the my neighbors are a bit loud, um, moving furniture a lot, and that kind of rumble in the... Apartments kind of sucks. The next
13: time I see- well, experts say condo dwellers should expect a reasonable amount of noise, what happens when it's unreasonable?
8: A nuisance at law is anything that is a significant interference with the quiet enjoyment of property.
13: Phil Dugan is a strata lawyer. When it comes to measuring noise, it can get complicated.
8: It, it can be very difficult and it can be very, a, a very long process um, so those who are suffering like that Um, I would say that they have to focus on being reasonable themselves, and they have to focus as much as they can on being objective in the evidence that they collect.
13: That means keeping a log of when the noise is happening and recording it over a period of time, then taking the findings to your strata.
3: It's the responsibility of your strata council to enforce your bylaws, so if you're the owner-occupant tenant that's being exposed to this noise, it's excessive, it's disrupting your life, it's unreasonable um, file your first complaint with your strata council request a hearing with your strata council ask what they're going to do about it
13: if strata fails to act you can file your complaint with the civil resolution tribunal for the enforcement of strata bylaws but legal experts say there's no guarantee you'll be successful
8: it's very very hit and miss tribunals don't have to follow their own precedent so today they could say yes and tomorrow they can say no so it is pretty capricious. So this is why I say you need to be very meticulous in your evidence collections.
13: And then there's the option of just trying to adjust your expectations.
3: When you live in a strata, your home is not your castle. You own part of the castle and everybody shares it.
13: Now, when it comes to measuring noise, depending on how bad it is, you can get an acoustical engineer's report, which I'm told is very expensive. Expensive. It will measure the difference between the ambient noise levels, just ordinary living, and the extra noise that occurs. However, those familiar with the process say that doesn't mean a judge will agree with an acoustical engineer's decision. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at globalnews.ca.
5: Definitely the noise canceling headphones are That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Coming up, a reckoning on the road to recovery.
13: On every level, humans have defiled the law.
5: What
2: a new documentary says about it's our responsibility BC. to the planet and the first people to inhabit it.
13: Also,
5: tonight, BC reaches a major settlement with a drug maker over the devastating
0: impact of opioid addiction. The Bridge is moving well this evening after picking up some extra traffic due to an earlier crash at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Just minor delays now southbound on McBride through the Queen's Park stretch and on the Columbia on ramp. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
2: We're getting our first exclusive look at a new First Nations documentary before its official premiere next week, one with a powerful message.
5: As Kamal Karmali reports, the film focuses on the centuries-old doctrine, which was used to justify colonization and the indigenous efforts to undo the damage.
13: We have to, as indigenous people... Teach these ways.
12: It's a documentary about trying to undo hundreds of years of pain and suffering. The film's topic might span centuries, but the release of it next week couldn't be more timely.
5: Well, the doctrine of recovery is an important message for everyone, just as the work that we're doing on the ground in regarding the repudiation of the doctrine of discovery...
12: The doctrine of discovery, a legal framework from the 15th century that was used to justify European colonization of indigenous lands. In March, a delegation of indigenous leaders met with the Pope at the Vatican asking to revoke the doctrine of discovery. Those calls growing louder as Pope Francis's pastoral visit to Canada in late July fast approaches.
13: By being part of that sacred circle,
12: Cue the upcoming release of the documentary film The Doctrine of Recovery, which hones in on the stories of three generations of First Nations women and how the Doctrine of Discovery still looms over every aspect of their lives even today. We
5: have uh, the devastation in our lands from uh, tar sand oil and fracking and mining, so we don't have to look very far to see that, and it all accumulates into the man-made, human-made crisis of the climate uh, change, the climate crisis.
12: The devastating impacts of climate change on the land that once used to belong to the First Nations people and their personal journeys in reconnecting with that land before it's too late.
7: I think going into the areas where lots of the natural laws are still in place, where the rivers are still flowing clean, um, gave a sense of uh, gratitude and thankfulness and the emotional impact of being present in a place that still has health. The doctrine of uh, recovery is showing
5: people how the path forward can be, what we need to do inherently, and what we are all responsible
12: for. The film will premiere at the Vancouver Convention Centre on Tuesday at the Assembly of First Nations Annual General Assembly. Kamal Karamali, Global News.
5: Now to the opioid crisis in B.C., where a major landmark settlement has been reached in a uh, class-action suit targeting big pharmaceutical companies for pushing the addictive painkillers.
2: Purdue Pharma has agreed to pay $150 million, but as Aaron MacArthur reports, Harm reduction advocates say
6: the sum is inconsequential. The deaths are staggering. Since 2016, opioids responsible for more than 27,000 lost lives across the country. While illegal narcotics have taken much of the blame, prescription medication has played a role in this health crisis. B.C.'s Attorney General announcing an historic settlement with one of the pharmaceutical companies responsible. I can announce that we reached a $150 million settlement with Purdue Pharma Canada. The settlement has yet to be approved by the courts, and the provincial and territorial governments still have to determine where that money will be divided. The B.C. government has promised to use its portion directly on related health care services.
8: We know
1: the settlement will not make up for the lives lost, the terrible loss, ones in our communities. So our government remains steadfast in its commitment to end the public health emergency.
6: The B.C. government launched the class action suit in the fall of 2018 against dozens of manufacturers, distributors and consultants for opioid products. At the time, the initial number thrown around was in the tens of billions of dollars in healthcare costs. Critics argue settling now for 150 million seems more symbolic than anything else.
1: 150 million—it's—it's it's really a drop in the bucket. Um, it'll be interesting to see where the province puts this money. Um, I'll be pushing definitely for the implementation uh, of uh, a widespread and low-barrier regulated supply.
6: If settlements with other companies can't be reached, a hearing to certify the class action suit will be heard in 2023. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Up next, summer camping spoiled by wild weather.
2: (laughs) Why this area was particularly vulnerable to flooding.
5: And lead the way, how an SBCA investigation, investigator rather found a litter, litter of pups deep in the bush. Residents in Monty Lake are in cleanup mode today after heavy rain and hail turned their campsite into a river on Tuesday.
2: Dramatic video of muddy water roaring through, carrying sediment, rocks, lawn furniture, even pets away. It's another blow to the community after a major wildfire swept through last year. And those living here say more needs to be done to assess the future risk. We're just looking for some support, hopefully, and some professionals
4: to come in and see what kind of uh, you know damage has been done up there and, and what we're up against. And this is happening all up and down the, the lake here where the fire has been. It
11: was flowing up probably about 10 inches deep down the whole hillside, It. It was pretty torrential rain. I haven't seen it rain that hard ever. The
2: Thompson-Nicola Regional District says it's working with the province to try to get a more specific report about that area in particular and to understand what the issues are and to help homeowners or campers to prepare in advance.
5: All right, let's bring in Senior Meteorologist Christy Gordon with a look at our forecast. Another gray, blah, kind of June day, uh, Christy. But definitely when you... Think of where we were this time last year. It's, uh, it's not bad at all.
15: That's exactly right. So today is actually a full year or uh, exactly a year since Lytton hit 49.6 degrees, which was the hottest or is the hottest temperature ever recorded in Canada. There were many areas in the interior that hit the 40s, uh, including areas away from the water in the lower mainland at 41.5 degrees. By comparison, today, 30 degrees cooler in general. Uh, Lytton only hitting 21 degrees. We were at 21 degrees as well today, but look at Victoria, only 15. That was the case in through Tofino also. Now this cool, unstable air mass brought the thunderstorms to the Monte Lake area yesterday has brought rain to our region today. We've had more increased concern for the flood con- uh, scenario. So Nachaco and Upper Fraser now under a flood watch. In addition, Bellacula, Chilcotin and the North Columbia region have been increased to a high stream flow advisory. That high stream flow advisory means that no major flooding is expected, but minor flooding is possible, and it's because of the rainfall. Thankfully, that is going to ease overnight, mostly sunny skies tomorrow, but tomorrow afternoon, we do have a risk of isolated thunderstorms once again. They won't be as major as what we saw on Tuesday, but still, pockets of heavy precipitation are still possible, and because the rivers are at capacity full in many areas, that still could impact a few regions. For our area, though, sunshine. Highs will range from 21 to 20. 25 degrees. Your Canada Day also looking sunny and warm And Saturday also. I've put in a slight chance of showers on Sunday. That's still days away, so keep tuning back in. At the very least, we've got three days of sunshine on the way. Here's tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Salmon Arm. This was from last night, Tuesday night's thunderstorms that rolled across many areas in the interior. Thanks to Lori for that.
5: Whoa, those clouds <laughs> look ominous. Thank you very much, Christy. A
2: little scary. All right, the BC SPCA has nominated as Mother of the Year, a four-year-old pit bull cross for her remarkable actions to get help for her little puppies.
13: Good
5: job, Mama. An animal protection officer was called to a property near Agassiz about a dog that appeared to have been abandoned. The dog came right up to the officer and then led him more than 150 meters through thick brush to where she had created a den for her nine two-week-old puppies. Turns out the owner thought Dallas, who roamed free on his property, had been the victim of predators. He couldn't afford to care for Dallas and the puppies, so he surrendered them to the SPCA. So Dallas and the puppies will be up for adoption very soon. The SPCA says the officer would never have found those puppies had it not been for Dallas leading him to them.
2: Proud mama always wants to show off the kids. Exactly. Well, that's good. Way to go, Dallas.
5: All right, uh, Squire, Barnes is here. He's been a busy man today.
16: That reminds me of Adopt-a-Pet.
5: It does, yeah. Yes, it
16: does. Mm -hmm. Which was started by the great Deb Hope. And I know you'll talk about her in just a moment. But uh, coming up on sports, we'll talk about the BC Lions, We have a big road game tomorrow in Ottawa. Great start to the Lions' season. Two huge wins at home. Let's see if they can do it on the road. Speaking of road and home, the Whitecaps are home. And they've been very good at BC Place this year look forward to that
2: yes you mentioned deb hope also coming up a deserving honor for our friend and former anchor here joining the order of canada The microphone's been applied, the cords have been tucked in, the wire's
16: <laughs> ready to go. cords seemed extra long today for some reason. I don't know why that is, but okay, it's all tucked in, you can't mm-hmm. see it now. No, you can't. The uh, BC Lions are off to Ottawa for a game against the Red Blacks tomorrow night. Now, the Lions have been the talk of the Canadian Football League with the way they have started this season. And of course, the guy getting most of the attention for this start is quarterback Nathan Rourke, for good reason. But it should be pointed out. His offensive line has been at its best in front of him. In fact, the whole team around Nathan Rourke has been playing at a very high level. During their first two games, the BC Lions offense looks to have found all the cheat codes to a CFL video game. They have scored 103 points in those two games. But what is lost in all of that offensive brilliance is the defense has allowed only 18 points in two games.
4: Set again, pushes ahead again and he is stopped again.
9: That goal line stand in the, in the first quarter was such a big turning point in terms of momentum. And, and uh, after driving all the way down, that's uh, got to be tough as an offense to regroup, right? So um, really kept a talented offense in check and, and we get, kept giving, giving us the, the ball back in good situations.
16: Which meant more time for Nathan Rourke and his numerous weapons to pile up the score on the Argos despite coming off a bye week
2: yeah, our guys are consistent. I give our players credit uh, from the beginning of training camp just the way they conduct themselves in practice and how they've shown up for two games so far. um they're they're very consistent in their work ethic and their approach. and uh, um, you know,
3: we're obviously we're hoping that pays off.
16: So now that the Lions have shown they can play just as well off a bye week as they did on opening night against Edmonton, they now have to prove they can play well on the road in Ottawa only five days after that win
9: against Toronto. It's definitely not um, the easiest uh, cards that we've been dealt, but um, great teams find a way, and we have had... A uh, little adversity to this point, um, which, you know, nothing to take away from us. I think we've, de- we've dealt with what we've been given well. And that Ottawa is a tough place to play. they got a very passionate fan base over there. So uh, with the time constraints and with all those things that I mentioned, you know, it's going to be tough for us. Um, but, uh, you know, full confidence that we can do it. We're
2: going to have to play well. No matter who we play in this league, we're going to have to play well to beat them. But Ottawa looks like a good, uh, good football team to me, so we'll definitely have our hands full.
16: Well, here's a trade that's going to get the Canucks' attention and a lot of other teams in the NHL. Kevin Fiala dealt from Minnesota to L.A. because of salary cap issues. The uh, Wild will get back a first-round pick this year, and Brock Favour, who actually is not a bad prospect on defense, but Fiala was just over a point a game guy in the regular season for Minnesota this past year. Not very good in the playoffs, mind you, but he will apparently get a seven year contract with the Kings worth around $7.8 million. Tonight was the Memorial Cup final St. John Sea Dogs, the home team against the Hamilton Bulldogs. Dogs against dogs. And it was mainly all St. John. Vincent Sevenier and the kids from the Quebec League doing a number on Hamilton. William Dufour had a great tournament. He makes it 4-1 here. And for the second time in their history, the first time they won it was 2011. St. John is the best team in junior hockey in Canada. Remember, they didn't have a tournament the last two years because of COVID. The new turf at BC Place is very friendly to the home teams. The BC Lions are 2-0 and on it, and the Whitecaps have only lost once at BC Place in 10 games this year. Saturday, the Whitecaps are home again to the LAFC. Fanny Sartini feels one of the reasons his team has been so good on the home turf is the fans. Our fans feed us during the game, and they,
10: they help us in these uh, tough moments that can happen. I- I give you an example, uh, the game against Salt Lake a few weeks ago, uh, where 1-1, were the other team probably were better than us for 10-15 minutes, and I thought that if we were away, we couldn't bounce back and, and win the game. We won the game because of the fact that we felt the energy also of the people around us. So uh, we need to, uh, we need them. So hopefully they're going to respond uh, with, with high numbers in the, um, uh, next Saturday. The following friday against uh, against minnesota and uh, let me do some marketing gear even for the final on uh, on july
2: 26. <laughs> okay we'll let you do some marketing
16: uh, novak djokovic uh, number one seat in the men's side a winner today at wimbledon all right thanks very much squire
5: an icon of bctv joins a very esteemed group top honors for our deb hope next
2: all right, just before we wrap things up, Jordan Armstrong is standing by with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan.
6: Chris, Air Canada has just announced that it is cutting a whole bunch of flights in July and August. Dozens of round trips will be dropped from the schedule each day. In an email, the airline's president says they need to reduce passenger volumes to a level the system can handle. High demand and low staffing have caused chaos at airports nationwide. At 11, we'll have analysis from a travel expert and reaction from YVR. Plus, video of the none too bright thieves who went to great lengths to steal an atm not realizing it is empty chris Hmm.
2: what a surprise for them (laughs) thanks very much jordan
6: oopsies Mm
2: -hmm.
5: all right well some prominent british Columbians are among the canadians given the country's highest honor today
2: governor general mary simon announcing actress sandra oh and track and field athlete donovan bailey have been named officers of the order of canada Among the B.C. residents named as members of the order, HIV-AIDS researcher Martin Schechter and blues artist Jim Burns. Congratulations to them. I know Jim might be watching tonight. Haida artist Robert Davidson has been promoted within the order to an officer. Also honored is UBC's Paul Dubord, who founded EyeSight International, which performs corneal transplants in underdeveloped countries. And Don Enerson of White Rock who sadly passed away earlier this month for his work toward global tuberculosis control. Congratulations to all of them.
5: And congratulations, of course, to one of our own, Deb Hope, also uh, named as a member of the Order of Canada. And Squire, uh, a nice little uh, story looking at her. But, we, you know, we've talked about Deb recently on the News Hour because, of course, she was Uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's um, several years ago, but we wanted to update our viewers on her story as well.
2: One of the nicest in the business. Mm
16: -hmm. Yes, and she's she's being taken care of, very good care of. Um, Unfortunately, Deb's not going to realize what she has won and how the honor has been bestowed on her, but we all know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And her family knows. And her family knows, and that's very important.
7: It is now 20 to 12. I have 20 minutes.
16: It didn't matter what kind of pressure was put on her shoulders. Deb Hope never failed to shake it off and deliver the stories that matter to her home province. And now the rest of Canada knows what we in B.C. knew for years. Deb Hope's career in news and her charity work has been immortalized with an order of Canada.
1: She was never one to go after awards and... uh... Who's never, ever really about her, and I think that's one of the reasons she was so successful as an anchor, because, you know, she was sincere.
7: Just the amount that she loved people showed her, in her dedication to her job as, as an anchor and also all of her volunteer
16: activities. Which were numerous, from the Courage to Come Back Awards, the Variety Show of Hearts. And the SPCA. Don't you
15: think, <laughs> studio? And he's doing pretty well. I yeah, think.
0: Eileen's not doing too well. <laughs> Through the adopt a pet segment, thousands upon thousands of animals were adopted. She saved the lives of so many animals, I couldn't even begin to imagine
16: the numbers. It's difficult for us as colleagues and friends of Deb to accurately describe the love and respect we have for her. But one of those colleagues and friends, Former producer Ferris Sajan was the one who decided to start the successful campaign for the Order of Canada.
13: I just got the email this morning,
16: <laughs> and it was like so
13: emotional. I just, I just, I couldn't believe it. I'm just so pleased for her and for her family. And it's just amazing. It's a win. It's a win for her. It's a win for for British Columbia. It's a it's a win for Alzheimer's as well.
0: My dad kind of surprised me after work. Came over and told me, and halfway through telling me, it was breaking down in tears. So we had a good cry together and just sort of had a nice night remembering mom and talking about her accomplishments.
1: It's a, it's a way better ending than the one we've been facing. And um, it's, it's a tremendous honor. It really is. And I think um, for, for my daughters, too, I think it's, 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 it's good for them to be able to put that on their lapel and, you know, talk about their mother in that way, too that awesome
5: Deb.
2: we'll never forget that laugh
5: no and i think we actually have her smile <laughs> uh, an enlarged smile <laughs> hanging in the rafters up there with wayne's hawaiian shirt
2: uh, amazing <laughs> stuff and listen before we go tonight we do have to shout out another amazing global bc legend technical engineer jerry persoon retiring after More than 46 years at this station.
5: 46 years. He started here in 1975 when we still shot news on film. Remember film? He learned all about video technology and brought the station into the modern age with the digital transition.
2: Yeah, there was no roadshow setup. Too difficult for Jerry to figure out, as you see in that one photo when he met his wife Sheila here back in the 1980s as well. Jerry, you are amazing. Good luck in retirement, Arthur.
16: After 46 years, he can fit everything in one cardboard box? He's very oh, organized. That is incredible. He's very organized.
5: Also just the nicest guy. Yeah, he is.
2: All the best to Deb yeah. Hope and her family, really too. Is. Thanks so much.
5: Have a good night, all.
2: Good night.